Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. We are back again after our great show yesterday. I'm joined by my co-host Anthony. Anthony, you're at Tomlin Park for looking at a rugby game over there. How are you doing? No, I'm doing all right. It's a bit cold over here, but other than that, doing quite well. I'm also massively jealous of the man you're going to introduce in a second for having hair as amazing as the hair he has. I am massively jealous. Yeah, look. We have Kaelin Jones with us today. Kaelin, I spoke to you a couple of months ago when we were talking a little bit about the NFL and the Bears. It's great to have you back. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you guys for having me, seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Look, it's been it's been an insane kind of off-season when you kind of expect the NFL at times to be quiet, but for us anyway, as being Bears fans, it just hasn't been. So <laughs> it's... It's, co- it's completely different to what we were kind of talking about last year. I know when we were talking about the quarterback position, it was all about what can they see in Mitch Trubisky? What can Nick Foles do? And we kind of saw not much. So it's been a big yeah. change. So where I wanted to kind of start it off was, I guess, kind of prior to the draft, because that's where everything changed. So yeah. we saw the Bears go out, spend $10 million on Andy Dalton to kind of bri- to be that kind of bridge quarterback. What did you think at the time when the Bears did that, considering Trubisky was going to be leaving and they'd still have foes in the roster? Did you think the deal for Andy Dalton made sense? Um, I mean, it made sense from the standpoint that, you know, the free agency, the free agency market for a quarterback, you know, wasn't all that great. Um, forgive me for not remembering if Cam Newton was still in the market. I believe he wasn't, and I knew that he was keen on returning to New England. So, I mean, considering that the veteran market, outside of potentially trading uh, for a starting quarterback, um, I understand that, you know, again, the Bears were supposedly in the mix for Russell Wilson uh, in, in terms of when he was ready to kind of bolt from Seattle. But aside from that, yeah, I don't think that it, you know, didn't make too much, or I guess it, it made sense from the standpoint of, the Bears need a quarterback. They got veteran presence out of Andy Dalton, who honestly didn't perform too badly. I mean, if you consider <laughs> what you're expecting from Andy Dalton at this point in his career, uh, how he performed with Dallas last year. So I think he's an upgrade for sure over Nick Foles. So from that lens, I think that's where it made sense. And it ensured them that you have a veteran quarterback before, you know, whatever happened with the draft or whether they were able to go pursue again, like it's another superstar quarterback off the market. Yeah, it was a really interesting one because I think a lot of people when we went to this free agency, the, the team that everyone was actually talking about was New England. They actually went out and spent a load of money, something that we didn't see. Then straight after that, we hear that the 49ers move up to number three and everybody is also expecting New England to move up. So I guess prior to the draft, what teams did you expect to be the ones to make those moves for the five quarterbacks? I know we had the Jets and we had Jacksonville. But there was a little bit unknown for a while between the last three of where those five guys would go. So what were you expecting prior to the draft or maybe even prior to when the 49ers traded up to three? Uh, so going into actually before even before the Niners traded up to the number three pick, I was expecting, honestly, because quarterback position is such a premium at this point and because, you know, we from our understanding on the outside and even, you know, people we talked to, it's like you know, those five quarterback prospects are highly touted. Like, those are guys who are probably going to go all top 10, all top 15. So, personally, I was expecting there'd be a run of, you know, each of the first four picks. Even Atlanta, I, I wasn't sure prior to them um, committing the, the Matt Ryan further um, in, in terms of extending his contract. Um, I assumed that, you know, the first four picks were going to be quarterbacks in this draft. I, I was kind of surprised that, you know, Again, prior to Matt Ryan getting his extension, that Atlanta decided to stand pat where they were. Um, and then even take Kyle Pitts, that a team wasn't able to find a way to maneuver within that top five to get their pick. So I wouldn't have been shocked at all prior to the Niners trading up, prior to, again, Matt Ryan's contract extension that you saw five quarterbacks go within the top seven or eight picks. I thought it was going to be a story. Yeah, I guess to go on the back of that, just kind of what we've heard over pretty much the last week, that – Alana going with Kyle Pitts and then now all this stuff with Julio, which it seems like it's an almost certainty that he'll get traded at some point. Do you think that it may have been like it was a bit of a risk going for the kind of tight end in the class, knowing that possibly Julio Jones may be maybe leaving on the other end that maybe it could have been some way for them to kind of trade back, but then trade back up again if you were trading Julio. That's what 
I keep going on because we had Falcons fans on before the draft because we were doing a show to see uh, what teams might want to trade up to four because that's what we were expecting as well. Right. And they were all saying, no, we're going to go with Kyle Pitts. We're not going to trade Julio. And like, it, the information just seemed a lot different. And now we, we hear that obviously Julio wants to go because of what we saw and what we heard. I, that was a very surprising thing to happen. Um, if anybody hasn't seen it, go on to I think what is it? Um, Undisputed is it? Um, that yeah, Adam Shannon Sharp, yeah, that he he called him. I don't know if he knew he was live on air, right? But he, ba- <laughs> but he basically said that he wants to leave Atlanta. So I guess when I heard that, especially, it made me even more surprised that Atlanta weren't even kind of talking about drafting a quarterback because if you're losing Julio, then how good can you be this year? And then at some point you have to have that contingency plan for when Matt Ryan does go. Yeah, no, that that's the thing. You may, and you know, the, the situation itself, the way that you laid it out, it shows how complicated it was for Atlanta. It wasn't a necessarily straightforward decision. Um, again, like their decision to stick with Matt Ryan to decide to go, Hey, we have a quarterback who can give us top 12, top 10 level production when he's healthy, I get why they'd stick with him for the long term or at least, you know, the next four, three, four years or however long his extension is, forgive me. Um, but, yeah, no, I understand why they'd stick with him. And then you mentioned the contingency plan. There's another crop of good quarterbacks coming out in 2022 at least. Uh, I can't say for certain the 2023 draft will have the same or similar uh, repertoire of quarterbacks. But there should be, uh, you know, like three or four quarterbacks within this upcoming draft who should, you know, crack the, the, the first round. So that being said, if you're Atlanta and you look at the, the championship or at least competitive window with the current roster that you have right now, we know that Arthur Blank, their owner, is okay with spending freely and freely free agency. Uh, that's why, again, they've been in the cap situation that they're in. But they have a new regime right now with GM uh, Terry Fontenot and head coach Arthur Smith. And so sticking with uh, Matt Ryan, I believe, allows their offense to have a high floor. Um, the decision, though, like you mentioned, like for them to not go with uh, Julio Jones and, and or even a, another quarterback as a contingency plan and to stick with Kyle Pitts, uh, again, like he he and himself, you know, the opportunity that Atlanta, I'm sure, and, uh, like if everything could happen the way they want it to, they would be able to keep both Julio Jones and insert Kyle Pitts in the offense because then you add Ka- Calvin Ridley into that mix and that offense is arguably one of the most prolific passing games within the league, especially assuming Arthur Smith is able to, you know, generate or get the same type of production that we see Matt Ryan produce just a few years ago when he was playing under Kyle Shanahan. So um, I, I think like the decision to go with Matt Ryan over taking a quarterback in this previous draft wasn't necessarily bad. It's just unfortunate that, you know, again, the Falcons are cash or cash strapped. So moving down the road, uh, you have to make the determination whether or not you can compete within this window right now. When you look at the NFC South outside of Tampa Bay, again, outside of Tampa Bay, there's a shot at you, you know, squeaking into the playoffs, especially with the expanded season, uh, with the expanded playoffs. Like, there's opportunity that Atlanta could be one of those sneaky teams that gets in the playoffs. But, you know, they won't be able to retain Julio Jones because of the salary figure that he has right now. And so, you know, again, it's unfortunate. But, you know, you look at 32. You know, I mean, I still think, you know, he showed last year. He had 700 yards within the nine games that he played. He's producing at a top 10, top five receiver level still. He's still got a ton of game left. It's just, and really, when you look at the injury questions, there haven't been too many concerns. He's played 15, 15 games or more, I believe, in like four out of the past five seasons up until last year. So it's not really so much injury concern. It's not so much age. I think it really comes down to the, the monetary figure and the fact that Atlanta just won't be able to fit him in terms of what they're trying to do and maneuver everyone's cash so that way they're able to attack free agency aggressively down the road. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a, it's a really difficult situation. That there's a couple of teams that kind of found themselves in. The Bears found themselves in that with Kyle Fuller, that they ended up having to let him go, a kind of staple of their defense. I know they asked if they could restructure his contract. He didn't want to, so they let him go, and he ends up getting a little bit of a pay cut from the Denver Broncos to go there. So you're seeing this, and I, I think we'll probably expect to see more of this as the offseason continues because it once these kind of rookies kind of come in, if some of those guys impress that maybe you weren't expecting to make the roster – they're a lot cheaper, so some of these other guys we see kind of get cut. Anthony, I guess I'm going to bring you onto this topic as well just before we kind of move to draft night. Is In terms of the Julio Jones news, 
what have you thought of that over the last couple of days? You were on the shows with us when we were talking to a lot of the Falcons fans, and they were adamant that it, it wasn't going to happen. You can't have yeah. a new GM coming in, and then Julio goes. And now it seems like it'd be more surprising if Julio stays rather than getting traded. The one, the one thing that I'm always I'm questioning on this whole story is when was this spoken about? Because the impression that Julio gives is that he almost told the Falcons at the end of the season, I'm out of here, I'm good. And the Falcons agreed, saying, look, we've no, no cap space, so we'll, we'll take it up. And if that's the case, it goes back to what Caitlin just said, then it's even more stranger that they went with, with Pitts to, to, to go in the, in the draft. It didn't really kind of make much sense. Uh, look, Julio is a superstar. He, he's, he is in a lot of ways and he makes Matt Ryan's job look even better I just think it's strange now look we all kind of know he's going to end up at the Patriots because that's just what happens um, and look it's just you might as well just yeah we all know it's going to happen um, it was surprised Rogers hasn't gone there yet it just seems to always happen that way but yeah I, I can see Julio going there and if he goes to the Patriots that's a they've already done really well in free agency and add in Julio Jones and suddenly you've got a real real smiley Bill Belichick I have to say, in terms of that, I know people won't like this opinion because people are so against the Patriots, but that would be very fun to have Cam Newton and Julio yeah. Jones oh, on no, one I, team. Oh, completely. Like, completely. Especially, I, I, yeah. it, especially as you see like the likes of the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes, everybody expects them to get to the AFC title game. You want some other big teams in there That's that right. can genuinely compete. And it would be interesting to see that if Brady did get to another Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, if he was coming up against New England, that would be a very interesting storyline for us to be able to talk about as well as we start to develop our own team. And I guess that's where I come to on on the draft night. One of the things I, I kind of put down is where a franchise changes in one night. There's been a lot. We did so many shows before the draft. We're trying to speak Justin Fields to the Bears into existence. It was 49 <laughs> There's no way he's getting past three. Anytime you, someone put a post on and saying Justin Fields to the Bears, the next thing you're seeing is one of those jersey swaps with a 49ers fan. But then we're even hearing kind of stories today that the Minnesota Vikings tried to trade up to seven, and they were only offering a second and a third round pick. And if they were doing that to seven, I'm assuming they would have been doing that to eight, nine, 10, 11. And the fact that the Bears were able to kind of swoop up and get Justin Fields at the at the spot that they got him in, how surprised were you? Because like you said earlier in the show, that you thought that the quarterbacks probably should have gone one, two, three, four, or and possibly even five. Like we were talking about five quarterbacks in the top ten. If if it went differently, that if you thought Mac Jones went to three, like everybody expected. I think it might have been likely that both Trey Lance and Justin Fields may have gone in the top 10. So how surprised were you to see Justin Fields still there at 11? And then I guess how surprised were you that you saw it was the Bears that had moved up? Uh, so I, I wasn't too surprised looking at the board, I guess. Like when you consider the, the teams that were selecting, you know, after four at that point, I think it was the, the Bengals, uh, the Lions, uh, the Dolphins, the Panthers, Panthers and I think the Broncos the Broncos probably would have been that team where I would have been like okay maybe they'll take a quarterback but I mean outside of that I mean I, I wasn't too shocked but also at the same time I thought he might have been you know a better quarterback prospect than some of those other guys who went before him namely uh, Zach Wilson so I, I do agree yeah like Miss Munoz or Mr. Munoz just pointed out, yeah, the Bears absolutely got a steal when you talk about their quarterback position in, in Justin Fields. I, I was surprised that he – I think that he presents a higher floor than, you know, Wilson and even uh, Trey Lance at this point. I, I think Lance has probably highest potential and probably will be the better uh, player ultimately out of those four prospects just because of where he landed. But, like, that being said, you know, I, I like, you, like you guys said, like I was shocked that Justin Fields – ends up with Chicago of all teams for them to be that aggressive and choose to go after a rookie passer. You know, again, after we just talked about like them going after Andy Dalton and free agency, I was surprised that they did that. And it really was a smart move because now potentially as a regime, you give, you kind of restart your clock because now you have a rookie passer and there's a little bit more patience with the fan base and probably ownership in terms of being able to produce on the field because of the fact that Justin Fields is coming in there as a rookie, he's probably going to need some time to acclimate. If he doesn't hit the floor running, 
they'd probably have a little bit more runway in terms of being able to suss out whether that current regime uh, should be around or not. Unless the Bears absolutely flame out, you know, I, I think it was a great decision because it gives you a potential great passer down the road. And because of Dalton's presence, you don't have to work him in immediately. Yeah, absolutely. And this this one comment actually is very true, is where I actually was really a fan of what the Bears gave up compared to what the 49ers gave up. Because you see the 49ers pretty much gave up, what was it, three first-round picks to move up to yep. number three. And personally, I, I've always said this on the show, that even watching college football, Justin Fields was one of my favorite players to watch because it was uh, even when he was hurt, you saw the big play. You saw the quarterback that you kind of stopped to watch. And it was a really interesting one. We had the defensive coordinator from BYU on, and he was saying that they were surprised that Zach Wilson was going that high because they always thought that he had the ability, but they thought it was like he could be a first-round pick, but more likely to be kind of second, third-round pick. But So it was a surprise there. The one thing I always come to is when you look at the end, once the season's over, what are people saying? And that's where I like to kind of pick of where I think players should go because it's based on the actual football. But then what we started to see was there was kind of false reports coming out about Justin Fields. There was, I know there was like kind of the pop or the, on um, I think it was national TV when Dan Orlovsky was, was talking about um, Justin Fields in terms of not like progressing on, on the field and his process was a little bit too slow. And then, about a week later, he had to kind of pull it all back because another report come, came out and said the complete opposite. But we see this every single year with a particular draft prospect where it seems like there's so many stories that are trying to like push them down even though they really shouldn't be. We saw it in 2017 with Deshaun Watson quite a lot. We said a lot. most of the stories then were uh, his, his arm strength isn't, isn't enough to play in the NFL. We've seen that that's completely false because he's been excellent in the NFL thus far. But were you surprised, I guess, that Justin Fields was one of the players that was fine? Because I always had Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as 1A and 1B because you just have to watch college football. You watch them play against each other, and you yep. can just tell these two are of a different breed than when you watch Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Look, Trey Lance was great with the season with that we saw. It was I think he had something like 50 touchdowns to one interception. But the problem is, in terms of the amount of passes that he had, it was he's very inexperienced as, as a player. And if he's not going to play this year, that means he would have went two years without actually playing a game of football. He played one last year. So I, I guess for me, I was, I was always kind of very confused. I was delighted that was happening because I'm like, there's a possibility that the Bears could move up. But I guess from someone that would look at these different quarterback prospects, were you surprised that Justin Fields was the guy that was falling? Um, I was surprised from a talent standpoint. Um, I'm not surprised from a narrative standpoint because like you pointed out, it's kind of been, you know, a year over year thing where specifically, and I'll say like, you know, it's a black quarterback prospect who was a scrambling quarterback who, and I'm not shocked at all that NFL people didn't like him and really it comes down to his hitchy arm, arm throwing motion because it's not aesthetically pleasing to watch. It looks weird. It's a hitch, and it takes forever for him to get the ball out. So that, in addition to the fact that, again, if you watch those Ohio State games, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, why doesn't he get rid of the ball? Why doesn't he get rid of the ball? It's like the timing thing. But then you start talking to people who either, one, understand the nuances of the game at another level, or two, just have been around Justin Fields and been around Ohio State and understand the concepts that they've been throwing at him, they kind of ask for him to slowly go through his progressions. There's a lot of read uh, route concepts where you're basing your, your throws on the timing of where the receiver is going, and the receiver makes the decision. The quarterback doesn't preemptively do it. So that's the thing. There, there's a lot of nuances to the sport of football. It's very complicated, uh, you know, even though we, you know, we like to make fun of jocks, I guess, stereotypically as not being – smart and bright but playing quarterback is one of the most complicated things on the planet so not only do you have to be a phenomenal athlete uh, you have to also be able to mentally retain a lot and Justin Fields by all accounts seems to be one of those guys who again mentally is one of the brightest quarterbacks that has been around football at, that we've known of since he was back in high school and so it, it was shocking from that perspective because like you mentioned man like 
Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, since they stepped foot in the college football, have been 1A, 1B. Those guys were tipped as, you know, the next one, number one, number two picks whenever they decide to come out and go into the NFL draft. So it was shocking that you had a guy like Zach Wilson, who played at BYU, didn't really play against, you know, uh, Power 5 competition, and only had one year of elite, elite uh, production in the middle of a pandemic when no one really had, you know, the normal circumstances that typically uh, happen for in terms of uh, scout or excuse me, constructing a schedule, um, playing against opponents, and, you know, players just opting out in general. Um, I, I think that it was a little bit shocking to see him kind of overtake Justin Fields because I had no issue with, you know, him, you know, necessarily being the number two prospect. Or like, I get it. But at the same time, the conversation always seemed to knock Justin Fields down. And that's where I took issue with it because Justin Fields hadn't done anything to really knock himself out of conversation for being a top two, number two, number three quarterback prospect. If you want to say that either the quarterback prospects alongside him at higher upside, you probably say it's Trey Lance. But again, the sample size isn't there. But, you know, Zach Wilson, again, six foot two, uh, 210 pounds, maybe pushing it. Um, hadn't played against elite competition, but Justin Fields, six foot three, runs a four four. Uh, again, knows how to really layer the football, which I think, you know, being able to change your speeds and excel as a, as a thrower is probably more important, just as important as accuracy is at the next level. And my guy, Derek Klassen uh, from NBC also pointed out that, you know, the narrative that you mentioned already was that, uh, you know, Justin Fields hadn't been a great prospect or excuse me, a great processor and wasn't particularly accurate. He ended up grading out as one of the most accurate quarterback prospects of the past five years. So in an all-time, what could be an all-time quarterback class, for him to not be, you know, tipped as the number two guy, clearly, in my opinion, was strange, especially when you consider how, you know, running quarterbacks now, they offer such a higher floor for what your offense can do and for their own performance, as opposed to someone who is reliant on their arm talent and their, solely their arm talent and, and passing ability. So I, I was shocked by that, for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting one, because one of the other things that we kept hearing was, these off-platform throws that weren't kind of one of his strong points. But then after I kept hearing that, I, I went to try and look at some of the games where he was kind of out of the pocket and where he, when we see these off-platform throws, which really came in once kind of Patrick Mahomes started doing it in the NFL. Before it was kind of known as kind of a bad play. You don't throw across your body. But now it's kind of the new thing. But you see Justin Fields that he can be just about to get sacked. He throws the ball, and it's not where the receiver has to go reach back. It's hitting the receiver still in stride. And it's that's something that, like you said, he's one of the more accurate passers. So when we talk about these dual-threat quarterbacks, it's not like the Lamar Jackson style. It's more like the Russell Wilson where his first option is to pass the ball. And then if it all breaks down, he has that 4-4 speed to to get over where if he needs to try and run for a first down or if he needs to get out, it's something that we've always wanted. And I guess it, it made so much sense. And it was one of the reasons I kept bringing it up before the draft that the bears have been in for Russell Wilson. Justin Fields is probably the closest thing in terms of the style to what we've seen from Russell yeah. Wilson in a long time, probably since Russell Wilson in the draft. And it is, I just I've always said I think the Bears are very fortunate for everything that did happen that that it actually happened. Like, do we know that if the Aaron Rodgers rumors weren't coming out, would Denver have taken a quarterback? Or there was one if Yannick Ngakwe didn't get traded by Minnesota, they would have had an extra pick. Would they have put that in as well? I've seen that kind of come out. So it's a really interesting kind of storyline that has come from this so i guess to kind of move this into the nfl season is for a player like justin fields do you think that would be better off for him to play early or to sit back and let andy dalton kind of start the season and slowly let justin fields kind of integrate into the starting lineup or if he's ready you just throw him in that's a good debate because i've seen a lot of smart people online and both conversations i've had and then you know, make cases for both because the idea is you get him into the game sooner than later, he gets more mental reps and you get to see, you know, just experience because experience matters just about anything you do in life, like especially football. So I, I think getting him in there immediately does, you know, there, there are some benefits to it, but personally, I think that because you're trying to figure out what the offensive line looks like 
I think because there isn't too much certainty in terms of what the chemistry is going to be as far as the receiving core uh, for, for Chicago going into next year. I do like a lot of their options. Um, I, I'd be curious to see whether or not, you know, I, I think I'd probably take like one or two games. I think that they're having a three-game preseason this season. I, I Forgive me if I, you know, coronavirus has uh, <laughs> yeah. affected that at all. <laughs> but, um, hey, you know, if he, if he looks good within those three-game stretches, then I think you can immediately put him in. So as soon as you see any type of upside with uh, Justin Fields, I think that's when, you know, the, the green light should be there for him to enter. But at the same time, you know, it's not a bad idea to see, you know, at least allow him to sit on the sideline, get a little bit more acclimated. But um, I, I can see a case for both sides, but I'd probably sit him for like one or two games and then let him in. I think that's I think that's the one that everybody in Chicago is waiting to see the result of. What exactly? When do we see Justin Fields on the field? Um, and I think that's what's really interesting is that you were speaking earlier on about him dropping and, and the impact that will have. He just seems to be someone that is going to use that as a massive extra moment, um, momentum for him and, and a kind of sense of he, – he, he comes across it a little bit. I've seen him. He just has a self-confidence about him that every quarterback, real top-quality quarterback has. And he just seems to have that, even from the way he's doing interviews in Hallis Hall to the way he performed against Clemson. and Just just the overall aura of the man of this, John, I'm going to go out there. And yeah, and like I love his comment about the fact that he had – if you're, if, if you're not going to want to compete in, the, in our first starting team, then you shouldn't be here. Is that something that, that you would see in him being falling to 11? Is that something that you'll see hopefully soon in the early part of the season from someone like a Justin Fields? Or is it or is it something that would, would kind of reserve the element of having Dalton out there, letting him kind of sit there for as long as we can? Also, bear in mind, the schedule is pretty tough for Chicago. Uh, is, is it something that would benefit the overall organization just get feels out there quick or, or do you see Dalton saying longer, longer than two or three games? Can you see it happening? So for the organization to answer your question, like it makes more sense to play Dal- Dalton, excuse me, as, as long as you can, because then you have more runway to say, okay, Justin Fields hasn't played a full season. So, you know, in, in case he doesn't look good, he didn't play the full season. So now we need to see another year. Give us patience. So, from an organizational standpoint, it makes absolute sense to play Dalton out there because, you know, you brought him in to be the stopgap. You knew that he wasn't going to be right. And then you said, okay, well, Just Fields wasn't ready for a full year. That's where it makes sense for them if, in terms of securing their jobs. But it, it, at the same time, if Justin Fields immediately jumps in and he looks great and Chicago, you know, what they missed the, the playoffs by like one game or something, and they were one game too late, then, you know, it turns right back onto them. Well, it's like, why didn't you play Justin Fields sooner? He should have played sooner. So it's a tightrope that Chicago's current grass is going to have to walk and be really careful about. But I think they're going to err on the side of patience just because, you know, they were aggressive in terms of going for fields in the draft. I think that the best way to preserve, you know, their own butts in this case would be to be patient and kind of let Andy Dalton do his thing, whether he looks good or not out there, and then bring Justin Fields when you absolutely have to. And yeah. the reason, sorry, Karen, the reason, sorry, follow up. The reason I say that is that yesterday we had uh, Peya Kaczynski on, which is brilliant, but she was speaking of the flip opposite. She thinks that um, Nagy could be under a okay. bit, of, bit of pressure, that that pace kind of has solidified himself by Justin Fields and has, has almost written his new contract for himself. Mm. That, as a, because Nagy was seen as this quarterback guru coming out of Kansas City. And also the, the, the Chicago fans... Like, First play of the game in, in LA, if he doesn't hit the most perfect throw, I tell you now, Twitter will be going ballistic and get, get fields on the field. His first mistake, his first interception, even if it's not his fault, even if it's a pop up ball and it's not his fault, get him out there. And I, I think we're so desperate in Chicago for someone like Justin Fields that it, that it will take some level of coaching. It really will take something for Nagy to hold him back beyond, I'd say, the sixth game, especially if we start losing, or especially if the chemistry isn't there between, uh, between Dalton and his receivers. I think it's, going to be, it's a fascinating thing to watch if you're not a Bears yeah. fan. It'll be a terrifying one if you are one. It's so, it's so difficult because we're already seeing the hype and it was just after rookie minicamp. <laughs> like, you, you don't have a single veteran there and he's throwing against seven guys instead of 11. You're already seeing it. But look, the thing is, he's going to look like a different breed when you compare him to Nick Foles and Andy Dalton because he just yeah. like just looking at him just as a guy he everybody that's kind of come across him say he's a lot bigger than you than you would think and yeah. that's that's one thing that you can kind of get he has that arm strength he has 
like when you look at him, you're like, okay, yeah, that's a that's a quarterback. So it's a it's a tough kind of thing for Bears fans that they're going to have to be patient because we know exactly what way this is going to work. Training camp's going to start, and everyone's going to be like, put him in now. He should be playing more with the ones. That's that's what happens. And you're going to see this with any team that has drafted a quarterback that you're not expecting to start. So I'm not going to include kind of Jacksonville and the Jets because I think most people will say that they have the two rookies starting straight away. But you'll start to see if like Trey Lance does really well early on, people will be saying, oh, play him instead of Jimmy G. You have the same thing with Mac Jones and Cam Newton is if Mac Jones looks really, really good, then there'll be people wanting him to start. It's It's just the thing that happens. I've always said that you have to be careful because the minute you play him, he can't come back out. You can't do yeah. what Tua. what happened to Tua last year. He even he even came on. I can't remember what interview he did, but he said that he was struggling with the playbook and everything that was going on last year, and that there was times he was running plays that he didn't really know what he was running. You can't have your quarterback out there if that's the case. So that's I think that's the biggest problem that some people do have to realize that it takes a lot for these guys that are usually not the ones calling the plays in college they're looking across to the sideline and then yeah. now they're in the huddle it's something completely different so it it is a it is a really kind of tricky one to get into there's a couple of other stories i want to kind of just get your your take on because i find it really interesting and before we go to kind of the main Aaron Rodgers one one that has kind of popped up and is kind of has a frenzy now is all about tim tebow like how <laughs> we are talking about this in oh, 2021 that Tim Tebow has come back, has kind of juiced himself up to be a tight end. What have, what was your thought when this happened? I was like, there's no way. This is the, the, like, honestly, when I heard this, I was like, this has to be one of those stories from The Onion or something like that, where it's not, <laughs> this isn't really going to happen. But then he gets signed. So, what was your opinion when you saw this all go down? Um, uh, so I was actually on with some of my ringer colleagues when the signing happened with the Ian Rapport reported. And so, you know, my first reaction, initial response is like, this is stupid. Like this, this doesn't make any sense. Like good. I mean, don't get me wrong again. Good for Tim Tebow. I mean, I'm sure, you know, he's worked his butt off to get back into the NFL, but you know, personally, I, I, and I, again, I'm not an athlete, so I can't speak to the physical, emotional grind to it, but I've witnessed and been around enough athletes to know that there is somewhere it's here. When you go into sport, and especially, I mean, you guys are Irish. I mean, like, you guys can speak to, so- like, I love soccer. Like, you guys, yeah. it's, it's ingrained, right? From the time you were a little child, you know, you're sent out, you know, to, you know, you leave your home, everything, do all that. I know football, American football is a little bit different. But that being said, like, you are dedicating, you know, every bit of your life to playing at this level. And there are guys who scrape by just to get, you know, the little bit that they do to get on a practice squad. And for Tim Tebow, to me, like, I, I just couldn't think about, like, the people who are, pro- or, you know, it's one person, it's one spot, but at the same time, like, someone's spot just got taken. Like, for him to come from TV or whatever he's been doing, to come off the couch and decide, oh, I'm going to jump back into the NFL, I think that's really strange, and it kind of speaks to the cronyism that happens within American football and uh, at a really bigger basis than just Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer. But, you know, it, to me, it's unfortunate. It's a funny storyline to make fun of for sure. Like, you know, on my end, I'm in media. So, you know, we, you know, it's good for content and, you know, discussion points like this, but at the same time, it, it blows my mind because it's completely asinine to think that Tim Tebow out of the league for, you know, what, eight years. And for someone who chose, like they, the NFL even told him, you should probably play tight end. Similar like Logan Thomas, some of these other guys who we've seen transition from quarterback to tight end successfully for him to do it at this point in his career. Um, it doesn't make any sense. It's really stupid and, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just go back to, like, I don't know if you agree, Anthony, but I don't think this would happen if it wasn't for Urban Meyer, that he has that relationship. And it goes back to, I guess, what we were talking about kind of months ago, okay, in terms of it's these kind of small groups that they kind of all stick together. And it's the reason we see kind of the same kind of coaches always, like, being hired time and time again and why this, and why we see the kind of same players coming back. Like there was no reason for Tim Tebow to come back and play in the NFL because like you said, if he left the Jets when he was trying to be a quarterback and decided, okay, I'm going to be a tight end and he's still what 27, maybe 26, 27. 
I think people could get behind it. Right. But then right. you you go off, play baseball, and be on TV for six or seven years and decide to come back because your old coach and your neighbor is going to be the head coach of Jacksonville. It's a For me, I just find it very odd that but this it, is the timing. Yeah, go on, Anthony. Also, as well, it's very like under 12s football. It's like, oh, my mate's dad plays for is coaching the team. So bring on Tommy there, who's a nice dad for the corner. It's embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing to to the sport and my personal thing. Look, Tim Tebow personally, whatever. But the idea yeah. behind it, if you're a tight end, you've worked your ass off. What Kalen said, you've worked your ass off to get a shot at the NFL, to get a chance. And here's some guy who Eight years ago, like if he'd been a Hall of Fame tight end and suddenly decided to come out of out of retirement to give one last shot, okay, I'll, I'll get that. But this isn't, and and it's and it's the drama around the story, and it's God. If you're in that Jacksonville locker room when you're trying to start building something, you've got your superstar quarterback that everyone's talking about, and now instead of that, they're talking about how many jerseys Tim Tebow gets and sells. It's a joke. It's it's it, it does nothing for Urban Meyer. It does nothing for Tim Tebow. It does nothing for the Jacksonville. Jaguars, and I just take the sport as a whole. Nothing you can do about it, but like it's just embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Well, I guess the other thing is it's making the NFL a lot of money because you look at <laughs> kind of the yeah. jersey sales, and I am still shocked by the amount of people that are buying Tim Tebow jerseys. It's it's crazy. I know we've had we've had some people on say, well, there, there's those people out there that want the most ob- obscure jersey out there, and you see, you do see that. I remember going to maybe the last time we could go to games, and you'd see guys with like a punter's jersey or a long snapper's jersey. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? saying <laughs> I want to get myself a Santos jersey for kicker wise. I love that kid. So I'm gonna, I got to say about that. I know. <laughs> That's because we've been parking before that, so probably I'm like, uh, I'm desperate for it not to be good. So yeah, I get you. I get you. I I, I just have something about kickers. I'm like, they're not. They're for me. They're not really part of the team. It's like, oh. it's, 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 look, oh, that's, that, 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 that's just me though. Like, I, I like if it if it was up to me, I would want my coach to go for two every single time. So yeah. like most of, most of the time, you're gonna get it, especially if you've any way of a decent offense. Like you saw a couple of years ago, the Steelers, I think they did it pretty much every single time with Mike Tomlin. And you end up converting more than not if you have a capable quarterback and some capable receivers and running backs. I, I guess the, the other big kind of storyline that just keeps kind of festering now is all about Aaron Rodgers, that he's sat out of OTAs for the start of OTAs anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, this all kind of broke on draft night, so it was kind of a double whammy for Bears fans. We, we get our quarterback, and now we hear Aaron Rodgers isn't happy. But wow. we, yeah. we've always said that <laughs> we expect that Rodgers will play this year. But my, I, I guess my opinion is that even if he plays this year, you're starting to see the end of the road for Rodgers at Green Bay, whether he stays for this year, the following year, but at some point he's going to want to leave. So... I guess were you surprised that this has all happened and how and how badly do you think Green Bay has handled this situation? Because you've this Hall of Fame quarterback and you start messing this up by drafting a quarterback and not telling Aaron Rodgers when everybody else has been telling their quarterbacks. Like the Bears told Andy Dalton twice when he was a new player to the team. The Vikings said it to Kirk Cousins when they drafted a third round quarterback, and yet the Packers trade up for a quarterback in the first round and don't even tell Aaron Rodgers about it. It's It baffles my mind that a general manager would not kind of convene with their with their star quarterback in kind of modern-day NFL. Yeah, especially with the Packers in particular, right? Because they screwed up having Brett Favre in his relationship with the team, you know, towards the, the end of his career. So, for this franchise that, you know, has been blessed, you know, imagine being a Packers fan go from Bard to Aaron Rodgers at this point. Like, that, that's genius. Like, that's incredible. But also, for you to mess it up twice down the end of the road, especially for the Packers to be on the cusp where they're at as a franchise, is surprising. That's where it's surprising. In the sense of how Aaron Rodgers has handled this, um, I guess, like, the, the fact that it happened on draft night was surprising. But then you think about how the Packers kind of embarrassed him last year 
when they decided to go for Jordan Love without telling him. Like you mentioned, man, like the fact that Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, some quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo can have more communication with the decision makers and, and personnel uh, people w- within their front offices is it doesn't make any sense, you know, from every level of football. Like you hear about quarterback and, you know, team relationships being like a marriage and, you know, like any relationship in general, communication is the foundation of everything that you do. And so for the Packers to screw this up, not once, but twice is easily the most, you know, ridiculous thing. And like you mentioned, I hadn't th- thought about that. That was probably the greatest day in Bears history so far oh, this year. <laughs> I, absolutely. I, we, we didn't know what was better. The fact that Aaron Rodgers may have gone or the fact that we can trade up because we went live when the when the draft was going on. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers probably the whole time. And then it got to like the seventh pick, eighth pick, and we we're like, oh damn, when are the Bears gonna move up? And then once they moved up, we we're both of us were like, Oh, please be Justin Fields, don't be Mike Jones, please be Justin Fields. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very funny. But ever since then, I've just been like watching other kind of shows, like reaction videos to like the Justin Fields pick. And you do see kind of people talking about Aaron Rodgers at the same time. It's very funny, but it, I guess it goes to show that this year may have been the perfect year for the Bears to do that move because even if Rodgers doesn't go, you're not expecting to win this year. But you're putting yourself in the best position for when Rodgers does go that you should be ready to pounce. Because, look, I, I don't know if, if you agree, but with the Lions, they probably lose quite a lot of games to go for a quarterback next year. They've got their last tackle this year. Minnesota, they're kind of in the middle where they have a good roster, but it's very young and it's difficult for those type of teams to go on and win. So once Rodgers does leave, because I, I would project that within the next kind of three years that that, that does happen, are the Bears in the best position to kind of capture the NFC North away from the Packers? Because if they don't kind of bring in another quarterback, because I've, I'm of the opinion that I would have thought that they may have traded Rodgers if they thought that Jordan Love was a very good player. But the fact that he that they haven't even picked up the phone makes me think that he's just nowhere near ready. And I didn't think he was going to be a first-round quarterback when he was coming out, but the Packers obviously yeah. did. So I guess you think the Bears are in a very good position now looking ahead in this division over kind of the next kind of three to five years. Yeah, no, I definitely do. And so I, I think one review has actually pointed out, like once the Bears fix their offensive line, you know, once they retool that and they have any t- competence there, then I think the Bears are a legitimate force down there, especially if you're able to convince Allen Robinson to stay, you know, any longer than what you guys are able to keep for right now. Like, if you get Justin Fields saddled in there, you get some more offensive weapons. I like Anthony Miller a lot, too. Um, that offense and a lot of the chess pieces that they have on defense, I know that, you know losing Kyle Floyd wasn't great. But, you know, the rest of the roster that they have on both sides of the ball, there's a lot of youth, there's a lot of star power, and there's a lot of potential really to really make a run at, you know, the Green Bay Packers. And really, realistically, when you consider the fact they made the playoffs last year without having, you know, competent quarterback play, is a really good sign for what they're able to accomplish once they solidify that position and, like I said, the offensive line. Those are really the only two uh, position groups that you really have to really fix if you're a Bears fan. But at the same time, I do like what the Lions are doing. And like you you mentioned, like the Vikings are kind of in no man's land trying to figure things out. If they're able to turn everything around, it'll be a really different world for the Packers, you know, within two to three years. And oh, that's music to my ears, my good man. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, else, what I will say is you, you brought up one of the probably the one player that, that myself and Kieran have had so many comments on is Anthony Miller. So the, the conversation that, that has been thrown with all the Bears fans that we've spoken to across the last few months is Anthony Miller is a talented player. Does he have it in here? Is there is there something is there something missing? And also, is Chicago the right place for Anthony Miller? And it's something I've been saying regularly on this that he is a really good player. There's something there, but it's just missing that little bit of the next level. And unfortunately, in the last few months, what we've seen online is he's having a go at Chicago. He's having a go at Chicago fans. And, he's, and it's becoming a little bit of like, I'll show you, which is fine. I've no, I've no problem with that. But don't do your talk on social media. Do your talk on the field and go and prove it. And then he was overtaken really quickly by Darnell Mooney, who I think is going to be a That's true. Yeah. And also, I've got to say this because I say it in every single episode. Newsom is going to be a superstar. See, Kieran, every single conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I, just, uh, I just think there could be that. So, 
I'll just get your thoughts on you said Anthony Miller and that you really like like him. What is it about Anthony Miller so from a positive side? Because we've we've spoken so many bears fans from the negative side of Anthony Miller. What's yeah. the positive side of Anthony Miller that you see that you think could work with a Justin Fields or in a Matt Nagy offense? Yeah, no, so I love Miller because of his speed. And forgive me because you guys are gonna rip me right now, but I definitely was confusing it with Darnell Miller. He's the rookie that you guys had that went off last year and was phenomenal player number one. So forgive me for that. But at the same time, like, you know. Those, those weapons within Nagy's system in particular, the way that they are able to utilize them within, you know, the space, not not on particularly on the outside, but within that slot kind of area of the field, yeah. the way that they were able to weaponize him last year. I think that, you know, both players really, I, I think in, like you just mentioned, Anthony, like Daz Newsome stepping into that lineup too, adds another element to be able to stretch the field both from that Z position and, you know, within the slot. So I like the versatility of the guys that they have. I think tooling, you know, speed, uh, speed players around Justin Fields, especially when you consider the fact that Ohio State, you know, for all of the creativity that they had in terms of their downfield passing game, there are a lot of mesh concepts and crossing stuff that you saw within their college system. So I think having players like that and marriaging, you know, Fields' uh, ability with Nagy's system, I think that could really work. It just depends on how they decide to utilize those receivers within the lines. I think that's really going to be, you know, Someone's going to say, like, duh, of course, that's football. But, you know, like, <laughs> at the same time, like, how they utilize those three receivers, uh, I think it gives them a lot of opportunity for utilizing them both down the field and within the short and intermediate game. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's an interesting one because when you watch the Bears, they have brought in a lot of speed this offseason into kind of the wide receiver position. So it is interesting to see the kind of that side of things. But also it was interesting that they're interested in trying to bring in Kenny Galladay as well. So it shows that maybe that's the future that they're trying to get to. And then the one thing that I've always been saying and I would love to happen is I'm hoping that the Ohio State kind of quarterback battle is very tricky because there's one player that every time I watch Justin Fields that you it's very hard not to watch and that's Chris Olave from the wide yeah. receiver from Ohio State and with the Bears not having a first-round pick. I'm hoping there's a little bit of a problem on offense so that he may slip to the second round. I don't no, think that's going to happen. But no, that's it the works, style of receiver that I can I can definitely see. If the Bears, like you said, are able to extend Allen Robinson, build on kind of Darnell Mooney, build on Anthony Miller and kind of Daz Newsom that they have, if a guy like that was available down the line, I think that's the ideal scenario for Matt Nagy where you see it in with the Chiefs now where yep. they're able to – Obviously, they're going to have kind of Tyreek Hill, but then they're able to kind of like pick and choose who else they want to kind of put in in that offense. And it works because there's a lot of speed there. So I guess that's that's what the Bears need. They need like different options where it's not obvious that the ball's going to Allen Robinson all the time. And for me, that's where I would hope that the offense is kind of leading itself to. In terms of projecting this offense, kind of the last kind of point tonight is, where do you expect this offense to improve from last year? Because it's been a real struggle for the Bears to even get to the average in terms of the NFL offensively, where we saw a couple of years ago where teams are averaging like 21 points. Now it's getting closer to like 25, 26. So what do you think the Bears need to do to actually get to that point to where they don't have to be so reliant on the defense to win them games and it actually allows them their defensive players like Khalil Mack, like Akeem Hicks, like Roquan Smith, to then be aggressive on defense rather than having to kind of be a little bit more passive to try or conservative so you're not losing the game for a team. Because that's one thing Chuck Pagano said last year, that they couldn't be as aggressive because they knew that if there was a botched play on defense and you gave up a touchdown, your offense can't bring you back. Yeah, so they addressed the biggest thing that they could to help that, right, was addressing, again, I, we mentioned off the line, Tevin Jenkins, probably a first-round pick that slipped yeah. in the second. And then you get the quarterback in terms of Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. So I think it raises the floor for what that offense potential is. We saw what Andy Dalton, again, not to you know, hype him too up, but he looked competent within the Cowboys system. Like, he wasn't putting up MVP numbers, but – there were moments where you're like, okay, like he's a serviceable starting quarterback, not a high-end guy, but he's going to give you a decent floor when, you know, when he's healthy. And so I think raising the floor for that, granted you're losing Mitchell Trubisky's, you know, athleticism probably at the quarterback position, 
when you're putting an adult in, uh, at starting quarterback. But, you know, what Justin Fields can provide in terms of decision-making, um, creativity, and then just the ability to have explosiveness on offense, both with his legs and his arm, what you're able to provide now will definitely contribute to your guys' point numbers going up. Because, again, like, don't get me wrong, I think Mitchell Javisky is a talented player. It just never manifested while he's with Chicago. And he probably ended up in the right spot for, you know, everyone involved for him to go to Buffalo. Um, like that being said, though, I think Justin Fields, you know, again, if he immediately shows that he's capable of playing, you know, being the starting quarterback for that team, it raises the floor for them. They'll be able to put up points and consistently hang with some of those higher scoring teams. It won't always look pretty because he's, a, again, a rookie quarterback. But like you mentioned, man, like he, he's a bigger dude than most people are, are giving him credit for. And he's going to be able to provide an extra element. And Matt Nagy should be able to trust him in the QB run game a lot more than he was able to with Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been great talking to you, Kalen. It's always, it's always good fun. A couple of good laughs as well. I guess just before we kind of finish the show, just sure you you do you do a podcast over on the ringer and I, I've listened to it before. It's been it's been really good, especially throughout the season. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find some of your great work as well? Yeah, so uh, I'm occasionally I hop on occasionally, like with our, yeah. our ringer NFL podcast or ringer NFL show, and then um, I I do some writing and you know it's kind of the the dead point of the off season, but you can find me over at theringer.com. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. It's it's been brilliant to have you on, Anthony. Thanks for joining us again. As always, man. Yeah, make sure you guys do subscribe to our YouTube page. We're live there all the time. We have a show, our fan show tomorrow. So that's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of craziness in terms of what can the Bear fans kind of go up with, and I expect a lot of debate. Um, all of our podcasts are on anywhere you can find your audio podcast in terms of Apple, Google, Spotify. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Kaylin. Thank you, Anthony. And we will see you guys next time. And until then, bear down. Bear down. <laughs>